Welcome, everybody, to the front porch. This week, we have Dennis on the line. How's it going, Dennis? Pretty good, Mike. And you? Pretty good. I say that as if there's ever a time without Dennis on the line. But <laughs> uh, sometimes I'll sometimes I might be gone, and you'll have a guest co-host. No, that's then I'm I'm just out. Then <laughs> I'm just, 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 I'm just taking a week off. People, that's can, it. Uh, people can go look at cat videos. That's right. They can spend their time with cat videos. It's better than listening to just me ramble on. Um, so, how's it been going this week? Watching anything cool on Netflix? Um, I watched the pilot episode of uh, The Defenders. Seems oh yeah, all right. Interesting. It did make me want to go back and finally watch uh, season two of Daredevil. Yes, I think you have I, to watch that one. I never actually did that. Um, watched oh, all. Watched all of season one. Watched Jessica Jones, which was great. Um, didn't watch either of the other two, uh, Iron Fist and um, Luke Cage. Uh, I heard nothing but bad things about Iron Fist and Luke Cage. I don't, I don't know. I just, I mean, it's sort of the same thing that happens with Daredevil. Like I have a hard time committing to a 40 minute or an hour show unless it's really compelling in some way. Yeah. I just never uh, gave it a shot. I I think for me, those Netflix superhero, I mean, I don't want to go into superhero too much here, but because we've gone that ad nauseum, but uh, I think those those shows had one problem, and it ha- started happening with Jessica Jones, is that they're just too long. I mean, I don't mean time-wise. I'm talking about, like, episodes. There's too episodes. many episodes. Uh, if there were eight... episodes or too long episodes? Too too many. I think I think the length is fine. But um, Defenders is eight episodes, and I think that's great. Everything hits all the beat points you need to be. You never feel really stale too much. When it starts to feel like, okay, they're, are they ever going to make progress or do anything here? Okay, the show's almost over. So that's good. But Jessica Jones, oh my God, how could they, how more could they go on and on and on about that guy? It was a great show, great characters, loved all the stuff, but yeah, it was, I, it was one I, note. I that. It, it did definitely feel a little bit long. That's an idea that I didn't really think about much until I started watching um, the, the one good show on the CW, which is iZombie. And uh, listened to a podcast where they talked about that. And their first season was 13 episodes. And the podcast guys were saying that they felt like that was about the ideal length for a 40-minute show. Because almost without exception, they said any show they had seen that had a full 22, 25-episode season always had at least a couple episodes in the middle of the season that just felt like filler. Always. I mean, Which I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah. And I guess to some extent that's okay. You know, the, the real problem with those is that they can, they're weekly. It's not, it's not a problem. I mean, that's the reason that's built like that. It, it, you can, you know, week to week to week, you're watching this thing, you start getting series fatigue. And what they do is they give you either a break during, you get a, you know, if you're watching it week to week, you get a break during Christmas time and, or sports events happen and they cancel your show. So you're you're eager to watch the next episode, whatever it is, because you haven't seen it in a week. They give you those breaks. Or they will get throw in a, okay, this doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just a side thing to give the, the, the viewers a break. And that is just intelligent programming they've been doing for decades. Uh, but it doesn't work in online shows when you binge it. It's kind of like I watch it back to back to back to back. And if you're just tired 
after so long. And if you don't have things happening constantly, you're watching 12 hours of the same single story. Yeah. And that's a problem. Um, But anyway, um, the defenders, I'm I'm on, I've just finished episode seven. So there's the last one and I'm a little skeptic about how I think it's going to end, but we'll see. Um, I will tell you that Luke Cage was good. It was a good one. It's also the exact same thing. It went on too long. I think the, the first half right in the middle, there, it's kind of a plot changes in the middle. Um, it could have just happened right there. That could have been the show. And we've been like, that's awesome. That's great. Um, and iron fish, iron fish, it should be iron fish. Iron fist was what everybody said it was. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. Um, he's a legendary iron fist and he's awesome. So says himself. And he fights the hand. That's it. That's the whole freaking forever. He has daddy and mommy issues that he can't get over with. Uh, if you've watched one episode of The Defenders, just imagine the scenes with Danny Rand. That's the whole series. And that is terrible. Um, I do now, like how they're they're constantly putting him down in The Defenders, which is great. Now, is the hand a person or a group? It's a group. It's okay. like saying the Yakuza. Okay, like Hydra or something. Yeah, it's exactly that, but Japanese. Right. Um, kind of, so uh, really just watching um, Daredevil Season 2 gets you everything you need because there's Elektra, which is the main main person in their Defenders. So don't watch any more of um, Defenders until you watch um, Daredevil Season 2. It, it's not as good as Season 1, but it's still good. It's still all right. Um, I think that's pretty strong uh main lead character helps that um i'm not a fan of the supporting cast of daredevil no, though i think no, god they're, they're, not, they're not very good they'd be fine if they just were they did season one okay get over it move on i get it you don't like that he gets beat up whatever you know but they just keep going on with that but yeah, okay she hey was, she was that actress was kind of annoying in uh in true blood and she's right fairly annoying in this i don't i don't think that guy that former child actor from mighty ducks is that great of an actor um, yeah matt murdoch he was fine is, for two episodes. is really solid in that role uh rosario dawson is great but of course yeah those two every time they're on screen i'm like uh okay yeah, yeah i can see on. why i can see why you think that this dialogue is funny but it's it's not as funny as you think it is it really isn't. Uh, God. Yeah, Foggy. He, I, I said, he, I thought he was fine for two episodes. He was a great extra. He doesn't need to be have same screen time as Murdoch. Again, if, if you just cut these in half, cut his screen time in half, everything in half, it's an okay show. You got it. Just, you know, stop feeding me that stuff. Anyway, Defenders is, was good. I, I got to finish watching that. As a matter of fact, I might watch the rest of it tonight. So I might, and that's a good idea. Something, something I had been watching over this last week was a show called Gantz Zero. Not now, G- Gantz Zero is a um, is an anime show on Netflix. Well, let's 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 say let's talk about anime here. Um, it's a CG anime. Um, so I'm trying to put that in a perspective for people who aren't huge anime people. It's, there's the, the flat 2d 
arts, anime art style, big eyes, um, Japanese influenced art style. That's a, a flat kind of goes back to even transformers back in the day. Um, all the way back eighties, you name it to today. And then there's, they've kind of come into the 3d thing. And my most biggest, um, example of that, that Kate brought it into the mainstream is probably the movie final fantasy. I think that was in the nineties. Um, and that oh, yeah, was, yeah, that was, and that's when I think the hater aid kind of for the CG ish, uh, animes started in my opinion. But anyway, I just randomly started watching Gantz and, um, uh, it's just a single movie, um, I've not finished it yet. I think I've got about 30 minutes left. I just kind of fell asleep. Not because it was bad, but because it was two in the morning. Um, but it has something interesting. The interesting part, as I was watching it, I started thinking that this kind of has a pro- prob- the same problem that I think a lot of um, films and um, animes out of Japan have. Is that, well, there's two things. One is that they go on and on forever. They have the, the, let's just never end. I tried to get into Dragon Ball Z and, oh my God, I just could not watch over and over and over and over and over training videos. Sure. And then uh, this one and a lot of the, the Japanese serial animes have that same problem is they, they just go on and on and on and they just keep iterating the same stuff. And the second one is what this one I think kind of had suffered a little bit from is that I, I don't know if it's just the, the Japanese storytelling way that they do things, but they don't necessarily go by the, 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 the framework of beginning, middle, and end for a story. I think a lot of times they're beginning and end, or they're just middle and end. Um, but they a lot of the times they'll just throw the viewer right in the middle of like a war. They won't say anything about the before world or any, how it got to this point. And then they'll just end it on a big battle, like a boss battle. And then that's it. That's most, a lot of times animes will do that. Um, and people will fall in love with those kind of things. I think um, Akira does things like that. Some of even the really big ones. Uh, you, you're really interested in the world is pretty amazing, but you never really have a chance to explore any of it. You're just going on this one fights, And the, a lot of the, the writers for these anime shows are, are really, really have amazing worlds and they're just, the artwork is so great, but it's just no story to it. It's just this middle thing that happens and then there's an end. And that, that some of the great ones do, but I don't know. That's my beef with a lot of anime shows. Maybe I've not watched good ones. Are you watching many animes? Um, quite a few. I've been thinking about this a little bit since uh, you you said last week this was going to be one of our topics. Um, I have deliberately avoided any of those serial or long running um, shows just for the, for the sort of daunting prospect. It's the same reason that even though a buddy of mine recommended it, I couldn't get into supernatural. I mean, yeah, for, first of all, it just didn't grab me, but the, the prospect of, starting out with a show that's in something like their 10th season now. Oh, God, um, right. And of course they have the same, like it's a long format show. So the, the barrier to entry is a little higher for me personally, but um, I've seen a handful of movies. Some of the, some of the more well-known ones, a couple of the Maizaki films. Um, what, what's, what's your favorite ones? Think, as far like as a top three um, shows or movies, 
Well, either. I guess if someone's listening and thinking like, eh, I don't get anime, uh, you know, I mean, it's just not something for me. But if you could say, hey, everybody can get these two or three and enjoy the whole show or the this whatever you're sitting, what would you recommend? It's it's a little hard to say because there, there are a couple things going on, and I don't know if this is true for all viewers. This is, this is definitely true for me. I think of them sort of in the same... Uh, not really genre. I'm not sure what label to put on it, but the the, the same sort of headspace as a romantic comedy. Uh, some people call it chick flick. It's a sort yeah. of like like entertainment junk food or popcorn, if you want to use a less. Yeah, I, you know what? I totally agree with that. I, I want to say that I think that I've not watched an anime that isn't just popcorn. I think it's just been so, I don't know, uh, light or n- it tries to be serious, but it's just like, ah, it's just a little candy, you know? And so within, like, in in most classifications, anime is its own entire genre, right. but it's really not not uh granular enough because it would be like calling movies a genre like <laughs> yeah i guess it's, you're right it's not it's, it's an not art specific. style i guess right so in the realm of in the realm of anime tv shows um there are at least i i sort of think of three sort of big groups and this is right off the top of my head so but um, there are romance shows, comedy, not necessarily comedies, but romance shows that are about some kind of relationship. Got it. Relationship. Um, okay. Yeah. There, there are action shows that are usually um, you know, some kind of combat, uh, very often with a, with a tournament arc. Um, or like a Robotech or Voltron type thing. Something like that. Um, I I have not watched too many of those because also it's it's the same reason that I don't get super excited by um, action sequences in live action. It's just not really that engaging to me in animated form either. It can be, but okay. I feel like I have a I have a lower tolerance for it than uh, than a lot of people. Um. And then, I, so I guess those are sort of the big categories. And then the third one I was thinking is this sort of, um, like, Mary Sue fantasy kind of thing. Though that really can apply to both of those. And, of course, I've seen, I could probably name half a dozen animes that are relationship-centered around some kind of combat situation. So the, the, the labels are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. The, the combat um, genre, maybe, maybe that's the one I'm, I'm thinking more of that. Maybe it's just the ones that I watch a lot that it, it, it sounds like it. Fun. And they're, and they're very like, you get all of the, again, I've never watched a lot of the big shows that, that get referenced in, in things like Naruto or um, what Bleach. else? Bleach, Dragon Ball Z, any of that stuff. Um, and so a lot of it will get referenced in newer animes and, you know, I, not always. But 
um it's your it's your stereotypical like loud intense but in a comical way um kind of fight scenes that are long and drawn out just for the the spectacle of the art yeah maybe maybe that's my complaint is that it's the the art is beautiful and neat but it's kind of like i can make this in a watch this in a 30 minute movie and then okay that's it i don't want a full-on two-hour thing of this artwork or season something something that happened like last year the year before and i don't know whether this persisted or if it was kind of a a one-off um but a couple shows made episodes in this very short format they were like six to six to eight minutes long and it was it was a little strange um i picked up a couple of those shows i don't know that i can really recommend either of them because as i said in the in the idea of entertainment popcorn um i've watched plenty of shows that are just garbage just not not <laughs> recommendable in any way um and i'm sure anybody who watches a lot of anime will probably the same is true whether they would admit it or not yeah um let's see i've seen a couple shows and a movie more recently that were really engaging in different ways and the movie was almost well not almost it was it was thought provoking in a way that i think is sort of what you think of when you try to define art okay it's like a a piece of a piece of media or media doesn't seem like a a creation of some kind that conveys an emotion or that triggers an emotion without well i mean maybe it does has words if it's if it's song or anime or something like that but um just visually uses visual cues visually or it's it's just deeper like rather than just describing it to you you know you see the narrative unfold and then you feel those emotions maybe art is the wrong word okay i i, I want to say i sound it sounds like that i don't know we're a little down or maybe that's my interpretation of our our conversation here on anime um I'd like to switch that a little bit because I, I, especially from my perspective, I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on it. The reason there's a reason why I turned on Gantz on my own volition, and it necessarily wasn't because we're talking about it here. Um, it literally looked good, and and it's fine. Um, but there are sh- when I say that there, you know, the, the anime when I say anime doesn't have this or all these problems I'm having, I'm I'm speaking to the general broad terms. Like I tried to watch Bleach. I watched like three seasons of Bleach, maybe four, um, and. Uh, some of Naruto, Cowboy Bebop, but, and they're great. They're fine. But I, I still think that they fall into those kind of pits. I think it's a general, generally good statement that we're saying about how these things fit into there. But there are several that don't go into there and fit into a much better category. And I, and I would be remiss if to all of our anime fans listening here, if I didn't mention them, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Miyazaki films that just, you know, Studio Ghibli or Ghibli that are just amazing. Um, 
everything spirited away, I can't get enough of. Um, uh, Castle in the Sky, I love it, love it, love it. Um, uh, my daughter and I have Kiki's Delivery Service that we're going to watch next week, which is a sin that I haven't watched it up until now. These things are amazing. When you're talking about emotional, you know, things, scenes or that you can't explain, they do have beginning, middles, and ends. They do have good stories. They have character arcs that develop and worlds that are built. Um, I think those are what's good about that. Uh, and there's some, I guess it's worth saying that there's a lot out there that is good. Yeah, for sure. And so um let's see the most recent show i watched um i watched with my youngest sister is called toradora um oh yeah yeah is that good it's it's 100 percent like romantic maybe romantic comedy though a lot of it was it has funny moments but it's i don't i don't know to me it it was i don't want to say emotionally heavy because it really wasn't um, it's just your typical sort of love story, sort of triangle, not really. Um, but it was, it was fun. Like I, for whatever reason, felt, felt invested in the characters in the, in the relationship struggles they had as the show went on. Um, a show that I watched like last year, neither of these are new by the way, um, a show that I watched last year that I really liked is called, um, oh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, but um, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Okay. Um, Haruhi is probably the easiest way to, to find it. Um, okay. This is a story of high schoolers, as, as very many anime are. Yeah. Um, the main character is a normal high school guy and he meets this incredibly eccentric girl in his class who is obsessed with finding people who are time travelers psychics or androids and she's not interested in any normal people and you're like man this is really weird um but you find out pretty early on that there are people around her and she starts a she starts a club a school club and the three other characters that accompany the story are a psychic a time traveler and a a girl who's not really a girl she's like the physical manifestation of some kind of it's a little bit like q right yeah. it's some kind of uh it's some kind of like ascended thought entity okay um and so she transcends time and space and the the twist is that this this eccentric girl has what they believe to be nearly godlike power in the in this world but she doesn't realize it she's just very pushy and very odd and she sort of she sort of respects the main character enough that he can influence her a little bit but the other 3 for various reasons whether you know the time traveler is there mostly to observe she can't really influence events the same thing with the um with the robot girl and um the psychic guy is just uh sort of cryptic all the time yeah 
And so they sort of spend most of the show seemingly enabling her. You know, they they let her do whatever she wants and she pushes them around it almost almost to bullying levels, which is what people have one of the criticisms I've heard leveled against this show. But this the idea of it was compelling to me and it um it kept me engaged throughout throughout the life of the season. I of the it's series. A, so I, it's a it's a series, it's not just a show. I think I think they had two seasons and a movie. It's like most of the shows I watch are not, like I said, those long, long serialized shows. They're um, they're usually manga adaptations. Okay. And so you know, it's it's like any kind of adaptation. Like they'll maybe divert from the book a little bit, but a lot of times, kind of like when you're adapting a comic or a graphic novel into a show like the comic serves as a storyboard and so sometimes it's very true to the source material but sometimes from what i've seen like i've that. i've watched many more anime than i've read their accompanying manga um, yeah read fewer manga than i have comic books so that tells you anything no I won't. um something i'd like to pitch as well since you threw that one out there I think that listeners, if, if if you like anything or have a even mild interest in the art style, um, probably one of my favorite 3D ones. Where I'm gonna go, I'm gonna plug a 3D because I know they have such such problems. Um, 3D anime is a series called uh, RWBY. Where I say it, Ruby. Um, yeah, that that is one amazing series. It's got. I mean, it's it's not like. Um, it lives and dies on its um, art style, I guess, and and it is it, it is a lot of action, but there isn't a scene in that show where there is action where it's like, oh my god, that is the coolest thing I have ever seen ever. Oh my, oh my god, no, that one was just cool. Holy crap, this character I thought was nothing is just amazing now, and then here comes another one who is now also amazing, and that's just left and right and left and right, and it just keeps getting better, and it's all wrapped up in. It, the funny thing about it is, is it's this cool, really amazing, badass fight scenes. And then they're just like, I don't know, uh, middle schoolers. I think the um, one of them's in eighth grade and it's the mm-hmm. main character. Um, and then the other ones are just getting into high school. So they're they're young girls. And it's a very much like a, a, a young girl kind of show. Um, they're in school. And I'm, a lot of it has to do with just them dealing with school stuff which does not sound interesting at all but it's cool it's really good i mean it's a it's basically they're in a hunter's school where they're learning to be badass um which is yeah weird that's all pretty they're little kids but that's all pretty standard anime framework in my experience right it, do, it, in japan do they have like hey you're gonna go to the army so we're gonna take you to army school in eighth grade is that what happens i don't understand i i don't think so i think it's a that's that's more of a trope like they're it's interesting. Um, I wanted to bring this up as well. Like the anime genre seems to have invented the idea of tropes the way that the comic book genre invented the idea of retcon. <laughs> While of of course neither of those statements are true. I mean, right. Tolkien retconned The Hobbit, so yeah. uh, nothing new there. But. Um, the high school framework in anime feels really common. Um, and there are a lot of 
the character archetypes that um that show up a lot from from show to show and i think like there might be something about the art style that makes that more apparent because um you know normal quote unquote normal uh romantic comedies live action certainly are are filled with tropes you know yeah. the the uh the the bitter uh best friend of the female lead or the the wisecracking best friend of the male lead or the airport terminal confession or <laughs> right. the 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 misunderstanding that that crashes the the romance right when it's about to blossom and adds another 20 minutes to the runtime um you know it's just that in in anime it's more like you know you have the idea of a tsundere which is a a character usually female who has feelings for a male character but manifest those feelings by being really really mean to him yeah or a yandere who is like a psycho stalker um lover character L- lover's a wrong word but um stalker <laughs> stalker yeah like serial killer level <laughs> stuff you know Obsession. like the, the the darkest parts of the of the joker harley quinn relationship I think some of that though is, is it's very, very cultural. I mean, it's one of the things that I've always kind of wanted to go over and visit Japan is that their culture is so vastly different than what we understand here in the West. And, uh, I, I I don't think that's wrong or we say, Oh, it's about this. And I don't like that. Or, or I don't like that. It's about high school or they're going on with women with this, but it's just not the same culture over there. And their stories are, told just the way they are and people see themselves and it's just like a whole if they were were walled off from the world for a thousand years i would not have doubted that because it just seems that, that they have evolved differently than everybody else the fact that they're on an they, island probably they, they they do live on a big island so yeah i mean uh, who, who knows and that was something i was gonna say as well i think for me personally as as years have gone on and i've watched like I'm not an avid watcher. I sort of go through phases. Um, a couple of my one, one of my sisters and one of my brothers are both fairly into anime, and so when I meet up with them again and we and we chat, I get more interested and try different shows that are more than just mindless fan service stuff. But um, as I've seen more and gotten more comfortable with the various. Um, not not necessarily tropes but like cultural cultural things like you know the, when they're in school they're always they're almost always involved in a club and there's always a class president and the class president is an important person to them usually um and as and as i get as i've become more exposed to those things um they're they're less i want to say this it's less of a focal point. Like I sort of now understand that when they introduce a character who is um, the word that they translate as class president, like I sort of understand the role that title plays in the character's lives and can focus on what's actually happening in this particular story. Got it. Okay. I get it. That makes sense. Cause you're just, you're used to the cultural euphemisms 
at that point. Yeah, kind of. Cool. Yeah. Um, um, the thing about them, too, it's also prevalent that should be said, I think everybody knows, is the age thing. I mean, I know we just talked about a lot of the stuff is in high school, but it's hard. Maybe it's just the art style. It's hard to tell ages in anime stuff. So a lot of times sure. when you'll have like a romance thing. I, Castle in the Sky is the one that keeps coming to my mind here is that there's a big romance in that show. And it looks like it's between like eight and nine year olds. And they're the main mm. characters and it's, it, they, they call it out, you know, Oh, you know, they're falling in love with so-and-so they really love her and it's a true love thing. And I'm like, it's just normal because they're like voiced by adults, you know, and it's, they're doing adult things and they live by themselves and they're all adults, but they're not adults, they're kids. But that is, like you said, it's just something that it's just part of the anime genre. It's a weird thing, but, uh, sure, it's, it's part of the art style. It's like how, um, a, a any any character in a comic book that's not overtly fat like automatically has six pack abs and yeah, right, if they're right. female is is wearing a suit that defies the laws of physics and clings to the skin at every right. contour right yeah it's it's either one or the other right yeah, i guess it's true with anime too right is you have either the really old person or young person that's it and sometimes yeah. you get like I've seen many shows where they have a parent or two and they always look, you know, in the context of anime, like they always look really good, but you, you can, you sort of get little hints, you know, there might be like an extra set of lines near the eyes that's supposed to tell you that this person is 40 compared to all the main characters who are like 16. I, I wonder if, if in Japan, uh, you're either when you hit 20, you disappear from society and you don't show back up until you're 55. Maybe that's just what happens. Because an, yeah, an interesting um, talking about uh, Toradora, there was an interesting sort of runner or running gag in the show where the teacher of their class was a woman who, in the course of the season, turns 30. And so fairly often when the the students, particularly the girls, are worrying or stressing out about something she's very critical of them in her own you know it's almost internal monologue but she's she is muttering to herself because she's so uh sort of distraught with her life situation being almost 30 and unmarried yeah. in that culture um and it's it's really almost slapstick level uh, uh, comedic but as far as the art style goes you know she's i think a little bit taller and she dresses differently like the the fact that and i assume this is accurate to their culture the way that it is in a lot of england um they have school uniforms and so yeah. all the all the, all the main characters that are students you can identify because of their their school. clothes you know their right. style Hey, there's a there's a show that me and my uh, my daughter are going to start watching, and and it kind of bridges this. It's it's a Netflix show, Netflix original called um, uh, Final Fantasy in Dad of Light. Um, I, we just watched the trailer. It's it's looks very very Japanese. Matter of fact, I think it's it might be subtitled. Um, and from the trailer, I think the gist of it is that a father and his son, like the dad, retires and he's got nothing else to do or something like that. And he's 
losing touch with his son, who just constantly playing uh, Final Fantasy, the online game, uh, I think 14. And his dad tries to reconnect with him by playing Final Fantasy 14. Um, and they play it together. And that's the trailer. So it's like, hey, I'm getting together with my son. And all of a sudden, I really like my dad. He's my hero. Uh, which is kind of cool. I mean, that is, this that... is it live action? It's both. It's It crosses between live action and in-game footage. Machinima. Yeah. So... It's on my, I, we added it to my list last week just to see what it's about. And Sydney uh, yeah. and I both like that kind of stuff. So, hey, give it a shot. But that, that's an interesting thing, though, bringing this up as, um, and bringing anime over to things is, uh, and culture into MMOs. Um, there's different kind of MMOs that are, are very anime centered. Um, and True. they have, and they have, their worlds are, different than ours and the storylines are different than ours and the characters are all different than ours um uh have you played any heavily influenced mmos that have uh, a cultural kind of feel to them yeah a couple of them um before we i know we're we're a little long on time here but before we depart from the anime topic i did want to recommend one more um piece sure and that was a movie called, well, translated, A Silent Voice. Uh, oh, or yeah, sometimes, okay. Or sometimes The Shape of Voice. Okay. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce the Japanese title. <laughs> um, th- this is a story about high schoolers. Uh, I believe the characters meet in elementary school, but um, the main character is a boy and a new girl transfers to his school and she is deaf. Okay. And so all of her, all of her lines are delivered in sign language. Um, she, t- she sometimes speaks, but it's that whatever the, this is going to sound insensitive, but the way that deaf people speak. Um, oh yes. Okay. Heavily. Someone who doesn't have, uh, have hearing and can't hear real. real sound. Yeah. Yes. Th- I mean, the way they, they learn to speak is, is different from somebody who does obviously. Right. Um, and it's a full length movie or I don't know. It, it might be like 90 minutes. Or something. No, 129 minutes, full length movie. Um, this one was really interesting because the main character is, he's sort of a bully to this girl and he's not, um, He's not mean or a bad person in general. He actually, um, I think, kind of likes her as time goes on. Um, because they meet in elementary school and then, forget, one one of them transfers schools or something. And then they meet up later um, in high school. I think she's going to a different school or something. I don't want to give away too much of the plot. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's there's a girl who, there's another girl who's, a little flirty with the main character, but generally pretty mean to the deaf girl. And it was just interesting to me, my sort of emotional reaction to these characters as the story went on. Um, I mean, mostly you feel sorry for the deaf girl because she's mostly treated pretty poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, but over time, I my reaction to it was that 
these other characters that are mean to her are not are not like they are attacking her but it's not really personal against her it's just their frustration over their inability to connect with her yeah i had i had i had if that uh, makes any sense it's like it's like this is how people interact with the with the world and you um you know the 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 mean girl something she says to her a lot is if you want to say something say it like she's so frustrated that this girl can't communicate in a way that that this girl understands that she ends up being really mean to her um and it was just an interesting sort of look at at relationships and communication i think that's one yes. worth for me watching to help clear up some of those uh, preconceived notions that I've had before. I, I remember when reading about this film, I remember, or this show, um, actually the manga, uh, the uh, Koi no Hitachi, that, that was, I, I had heard that before somebody else say that. And they were talking about it being like, um, not your, your typical Japanese story. And that was the manga. Um, but I didn't realize that that one until I you had mentioned this to me earlier about this movie and it was called the the silent voice silent voice that was called and then I was like oh yeah. that's the same thing I had heard so I think that I need to watch that one that's on a Crunchyroll right I eat Crunchyroll on Crunchyroll um, I I believe so I my my brother set set it up on the TV when we watched it so I don't know where. Yeah. From. Yeah. Well, I have to, I definitely have to check that one. I think I'm going to put that one on there and see if I can at least try to get that watch it this week. Cause I, that's one I want to see. I, I enjoy ones that will challenge my preconceived notions so that I, I can come away from something and say, you know what? Someone can say bad. And I had a bad example of something for the longest time. And then, Oh no, there's this. I always like that in, in video games in movies and something, anything else where I, I know I don't like a genre or I don't like X, Y, or Z. And then you watch one that's different and somebody does it right. And you're like, Oh, Okay, but have you watched Spirited Away? Or, or yeah, have you, and I think know? going back over this list in my own mind, because um, a, a show that I'm currently watching um, is called uh, Koino Uso. Um, it's Love and Lies. Um, is this sort of... It's sort of your standard love triangle Romeo and Juliet thing, except it's set in an alternate present or near future where the government of japan has developed what they believe is a foolproof foolproof method of assigning couples in arranged marriages okay so instead of your typical you know medieval political family connection marriage this this is an assigned marriage you know revealed when you turn 16 um that's supposedly scientifically accurate and infallible and so you have a story about the a main main character boy who's had a crush on a girl since elementary school and um she him though they don't realize until i mean it's the very first episode that's revealed and then he gets his notice from the government that he's assigned to another girl and the story yeah, very great. I mean, it's it's a romance story. It's I haven't seen all of it, so jury's still out. But um, right. I think uh, 
Silent Voice is a good example of something that, as far as I know, I've only seen it once, so for whatever that's worth, um, little to none of those comical anime tropes that I was describing earlier. And it's really the same with with all three or four of these shows that I've recommended. Like, I've watched plenty of shows with the anime tropes, but the ones that I recommend, I think, are either don't have those or they're much lighter. Like, you know, they might still have the obligatory pool episode or bathhouse oh, yeah, right. or something like that. Um, this like, festival. Kind of like the, the producer said, the, you got to have this. You got to have this. Yeah. The like the festival episode or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so you'll have all of that, but it's not as it's not as slapstick. Cool. Well, I will definitely pick that one up. Hey, so back to the cultural topic um, and moving over to MMOs a little bit. Did a, so I, I've been a MMO player in the past. I think everyone on the planet has played world of Warcraft at least once in their life, or at least knows about it. Um, so I, I, anyone who says that they have any, like, Oh, I, you know, I'm, I won't admit that I didn't play. Wow. Well, okay. You're one of like 8 billion people that played. Wow. I, I get it. Um, so, but there are, they're different. There's differences in, in MMOs. There's, and, and some of them are hard because um, they are very culturally centered. Um, and you read the story and it's kind of has an anime esque type story to it. Um, or the artwork is very that way. Now I haven't played final fantasy 14 or I'm, I'm sure if that's the newest one that's out right now, uh, the online one, so. but, but the final fantasy games in general have, they used to be literally my number one best favorite all time uh, video game series ever created. Um, and that was pre seven. Um, I'm going to date myself here, but um, call me old guy, which I just wasn't that big into seven. And my opinion, and this is going to make it anger everyone else, but is that seven is started the downfall or the downhill of it. It was very fun and cool and exciting and adventure. And maybe that was because it was centered around my Western ideals. But then seven starts bringing in the Eastern kind of storylines and, and then 10 just punctuated it. Um, and it's kind of now all final fantasy is just what we've been describing for the anime genres. It's just like a genre video game genre story. Um, that's all it is. But so mm -hmm. I have a hard time launching or loading up to what people say is a great game in, in the new final fantasy online. Uh, you have any experience with that game in particular or other ones that are worth like, Hey, this one's cool and it's good and it's not that bad. And it's not a Western. Well, it's interesting. Um, we could, we could do a whole topic on MMOs. I don't, I don't think we probably will tonight. Um, I played, let's see the, the first quote unquote MMO that I came to was the original Guild Wars. Um, and I say quote unquote, because a lot of its mechanics made it not really, um, not truly open world. You could run into people in the cities, but if you went out where the monsters were, you were in your own, in um, most, probably the most hours logged is in, uh, in WoW, World of Warcraft, um, back in 0708, the 
Burning Crusade expansion era is when I played the most. Um, easily ah. 30 hours a week and probably closer to like 40 or 50, especially when I was unemployed. I'd say that's that's a, a standard thing. Wouldn't you say that that's when they hit their peak? I should stat somewhere, but... I mean, to me, I know some people say it was uh, Wrath of the Lich King. Um, missed most of that. I was in a serious relationship that didn't give me time for hours and hours of video game playing. But Damn uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've, I've played WoW on and off over the last decade. Um, and have tried a bunch of other ones. Um, I mean, I mean, a group of our friends got into Rift for a minute. Oh, that um, that was a good game. I, that's a good game. Played uh, played Guild Wars two for a while. Um, played a couple demos of things. I think I even kickstarted something. That now I don't even. Um. I've been watching the emails for Crowfall. That seems kind of interesting. Um, but the two, well, two Western maybe. Although I don't know. I think the company that made Guild Wars was Japanese. That's what I was wondering. That, that seems that game there. I had forgot. I did play Guild Wars two a good chunk, and it does seem to have a very uh, Eastern influence on it. So, man, it's worth looking up and seeing if that thing is made by a Eastern or Western company because it feels Eastern. Yeah, some of that, uh, maybe a little more of a hybrid than um, than a couple of the others. Um, I had one in my mind that... Um, but more recently, about a year or two ago, I played uh, Black Desert online which okay. is Korean, not Japanese, but still um I don't want to I don't want to lump those two cultures together, but both potentially equally foreign to a western yes. audience/player yes. base. That's fair. Um the thing the thing that drew me to Black Desert was its sense of always online very uh, they catered very strongly to afk farming uh, um yeah one of the things that people say is a major difference between eastern and western mmos is um the asians love their grind the grind right where where we maybe get sick of it a little sooner um they're just they're just they just have more willpower than we do yeah or something like that um <clears throat> In, in a very me, broad, generalistic term. Yeah, for me, it depends on what it is. Like, I've I've gone through, let's see, all of Star Trek Next Generation, my second watch through of Mad Men, uh, all of Friends, uh, all of those Netflix experiences. Oh, and that 70s show. Um, <laughs> all while playing either WoW or Black Desert. Right. Um, but Black <laughs> Desert, yeah. Black Desert did things like um, where the fishing system in WoW, you have to be watching. You have to put your cursor in the right place. The fishing system in Black Desert, you could fish more efficiently if you were watching it. Um, because when you get a bite, you have to do a quick time event. But 
if you don't touch anything, your keyboard or mouse, for it's the default is something like a minute of that of that QuickTime event prompt, um, you'll just catch the fish automatically. <laughs> and and then and then if you have the little checkbox selected, automatically recast. Uh, and so auto grinding. You just park your character on the dock and let them fish or, you know, you can build a boat or a raft and go out to a better fishing spot. And so, you know, I had in like the first month that I played it, I had probably like 80 or 90 percent hours logged in compared (laughs) to actual time that had passed in the world. Because I just unless there was an update or my computer froze or something, I was just logged into it all the time, even when I was sleeping. Oh, yeah, right. The, um, that's, that was just the way some of these things were built. I mean, from the very beginning, um, I played, I mean, I played Neverwinter Nights Online, which I think was one of the first kind of MMO-ish mud things, um, graphical ones. But I'm trying to think of um, Ultima Online was where it really started hitting hard. And that one was tons of grinding. And that's the first thing that I can think back of in my own personal history where um, grinding was an essential part of being part of playing a game and doing something that you don't like doing and is not fun and is not boring, but you do it anyway. Uh, Or you find, like you're just saying, ways to get around it. And in that case, I would put like an eraser on, um, I'd park my guy next to like a mining node or something. I can't remember exactly what it was and put my eraser on the G and wrap the uh, a rubber band around the keyboard so that it would just keep hitting G sure, while I go sure. to work. And then it would just kind of keep hitting that. And I'd come home eight hours later. Oh my gosh, I got so much ore or whatever, you know, and my guy's skills all the way up. But that's how these games were made. And I, I did a lot of that kind of stuff in Minecraft. Um, because as you know, I'm a, I'm a big, um, a big fan of building large, impressive structures in survival mode. Yeah, if anybody ever gets to to join Minecraft with uh, Dennis, it's pretty impressive. I, I want to give the plug there. the The things that are built are incredible, and he he's right. It's in survival mode. It's not in creative mode. These things are pretty awesome. So there you go. There's, there's, no, your, there's no flying. You gotta you gotta sleep. You gotta eat. You gotta find right. and obtain all the materials that you're gonna use. There's no like your creative mode menu menu yeah yeah um, i i sit in those but, but, I, but I definitely set up you know i have i have razor gaming peripherals and i set up macros and stuff to like try to try to automate the mining process with the moving and the clicking never never works super well but you know just just automate a little bit of that stuff the interesting thing about black desert was that they built so much of that into the game like in most other mmos you had to do some kind of cheat or hack or even risk your account by botting to do that kind of stuff. Um, But in black desert, they built it all in. Like you could literally build your strength by walking overburdened. Okay. And your, your character would like hunch over with a big backpack (laughs) and walk at like 10% of their normal run speed or something. But you could, click on the map this is a game that had no fast travel like there are horses um and the horses are not like mounts in other games they persist in the world unless you take them into a stable okay. um the 
the interesting thing th- that I say about that game, despite all of these like AFK grinding things, is it's the first MMO for sure that I played where I felt like immersion was a thing that was important and was maybe happening. That's, um, because I wish if, War had that. Yeah, like if I jump off, if I jump off, if my character jumps off the horse the horse stays right there or maybe takes a few steps forward. And then it stands there while I go interact with the banker or whatever and come back and the horse is right there. Um, And this game, like I said, with the fishing, it was deep in every trade skill. Like there was cooking, there was uh, trading where you would load up a wagon with goods, take them from one town to the other and sell them. Um, You could breed horses Horses had XP, so you could level those. Like, everything had an XP bar. Every trade skill, every <laughs> whatever. But, um... Grind is real. You know, you could do stuff like like auto-pathing. So there's no fast travel, but there's a menu that has all the names of all the NPCs you've ever met. So if you know you gotta go talk to this guy who's the banker in the capital, um, you pull him up on that menu, uh click on it right click on it whatever and it will set you a path to where that guy is that follows the road and then you hit the auto run key and you're if you're on a horse it'll run if you're walking you'll walk and it's not great like sometimes you get a little too close to monsters sometimes you get caught on a fence like any of those usual game glitch issues um man i I had to interrupt and say there that i think that sounds awful I mean, it sounds like an awful game. I mean, the reason I say that is because it sounds like the the developers and the, and the designers have lost, have got their heads too too far in the weeds. There, they've stopped and realizing that hey, this is not a fun mechanic. And instead of like saying let's not have this fun mechanic, like games like World of Warcraft did as compared to EverQuest, dying is not fun or getting to this thing is not cool. Instead of removing that and making it fun, they've just spent time and money to find ways build in systems in the game around it that sounds horrible it's it's interesting because i i i quote unquote played the game for a long time <laughs> right played really right you, because you i leveled up a lot of trade skills i had you you build an army of of workers who gather some materials but there's always at least one part of every trade skill that you have to do yourself um so you know you gather uh, you gather different cooking materials and then you got to remember the recipe and there's some flexibility in the recipes like to make beer you need water sugar yeast and uh and a grain but the grain can be corn wheat or potatoes and, and a dwarf you need a dwarf too that's part of the recipe. right right you got you got to be a dwarf yeah. um but the the combat was um was action based like I don't know, more like a single player game like um like the Batman games or something okay. where you move and you turn you face characters and you you press the different keys in the right sequence and it makes you do combos. There's no right. tab targeting or any of those typical um MMO combat things. So it had it had good good elements or has good elements, but other things it didn't get so well yeah and i mean part of that part of that was me like 
I could leave it running all the time. I could tab over to it once in a while while I'm working and like, you know, switch from grinding flour into or grinding wheat into flour to smelting ore into bars. And that would just run in the background. I didn't really have hours and hours to connect with the people in my guild and take down a world boss or whatever, do a lot of that combat stuff. Um, and really that's, that's usually the, the killing point for any MMO with me, um, is I realize that to really fully enjoy it, I have to put enough time and energy into finding or developing a community that I just don't have the bandwidth for at this stage of my life. So I recently started playing Elder Scrolls again. I think some people had might have mentioned it before, known that I was I'd played it earlier and then came back now recently with the Morrowind expansion coming out or that came out. And um I'll tell you what, something I like about we were talking about grinding and some of the gameplay mechanics in MMOs that have uh things you don't like to do. I, I think that's kind of part and partial for MMOs. The good ones have it, but they make it engaging or fun in some way. Um, it's just part of it because especially things that are based on subscription models or, you know, you have to pay so much money. I liked, I'll tell you something I really, really like about Elder Scrolls that they have. Now, that game is a, a buy and you don't have to pay, which is awesome. I mean, besides your, like, I played on PlayStation, so the, the PSN network thing. But you you don't have to pay. And I love that. Guild Wars was like that. I think that's how I want the game to be. Um, I will continue to support it with little purchases here and there of extra stuff, like um, gear or, or quality of life stuff. Um, and that, actually, you're talking about those, like that game that had those systems with those automated things. That's exactly how you, a, a good thing for making money. So Elder Scrolls has a mechanic where it's an inventory mechanic. It's in every game. I freaking hate inventory. It's Diablo is everybody loves that game because you get it's a loot game, you get tons of loot. And it's just frack. I mean, it's it's uh, inventory management. I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. And I think it's just as equal to me as grinding. Um, and it's they have that at times 10 in Elder Scrolls. And most of it is managing all of your crafting materials. You have so much crafting materials and major parts of the game is like, okay, I want to buy bag space, more and more inventory space, just so that I can go out there and keep playing without having to say, oh, I got to stop playing because most of my inventory is 75% filled with uh, mushrooms and metal. So let's go back to town and deal with that. But they have a great pay mechanic where you can, like when you become the, I don't know, $10 a month uh, uh, Elder Scrolls member, um, premium member, whatever they have a lot of perks, but one of the perks is to make the game that grindy stuff, take it away. And you have an extra now, uh, like a crafting bag where all of your, all that material immediately gets, gets put in there and shuttled into the bank as soon as you loot it. And you, and now all you're doing is just playing the game and getting items. And then the only loot, the inventory management you're doing is with the fun part of cool items. And yeah, that's worth paying for. And I'm, yeah, that's worth paying, you know, $10, $15 a month for. And if MMOs, I understand why they have grindy things, but that's an opportunity for them to, to put in and let me pay money to not have it. And I'm okay with that. 
uh, as opposed to games like WoW, where they, you know, they don't allow bots because it destroys the game and ends the grinding, or other games that, you know, if you have bots in there, it's horrible, which it is, but it's just because that part sucks and nobody wants to do it. Let me get around it. Don't have it in your game or let me pay to not have it. Yeah, I think that's a problem with MMOs in general or these long games. You don't have single-player games. You're playing Uncharted and like, well, got to go grind for the next six hours just to get to the next level. That's not fun. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I agree with you on the statement of grinding. As far as inventory management, I mean, what you're describing sounds exactly like a lot of my experience playing Skyrim. I've never played ESO, but... I played yes. Skyrim. I played most of the Fallout games. Um, and I, yes, yes, yes. All you're saying, yes. The only, um, the only Elder Scrolls game I've played is Skyrim, but the inventory management system is very similar between those two games. And the online, um, it's the same thing. Yes, very like what what is worth the most for how much it weighs, and that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> Which I can see, just like the grind, I can see the appeal to a certain person in a certain context. It's, um, what's the word? Not cathartic. It's almost zen. It's like... Uh, you mean for people who are, who, who are like, um, the organizing people. It's the, the, the anal retentive. Not, that's not in a bad way, but like, I, I like to organize all my stuff. Well, yeah, and it's sort of, it's sort of the appeal at least in part, you know, the, the, the true long-term appeal is in accomplishing something together as a community. And that's the, the part that I often fall short at, but, um, the, the initial short-term appeal is that an MMO gives you the same sort of, um, emotional experience as accomplishing a real task, you know, like, washing all of your dishes or <laughs> cleaning your bathroom or sure painting your house or whatever any of those like sort of sort of chores and and people often refer to you know what initially was called the daily quest because it's sort of the alternative <laughs> to grinding like instead of saying like it's going to take you 30 hours to get enough rep to buy this mount well now it's going to take you 15 hours but you can only do it in 20 minutes a day and then you got to wait till tomorrow. Right. Um so it sort of slows everybody down but also keeps people coming back to the game. It's great for the game and it also serves that kind of um that emotional trigger. Um I I will argue all day the the merits of video games as far as mental and eye coordination stimulation all that kind of stuff yeah um but that idea and it's something that that only just came to me within the last year or two i realized that when i you know if i have a project like i'm gonna you know strip down and and refinish an end table or something it's 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 the feeling you get from a video game is much less than that, but it's very similar. It's like you spent all day doing this thing. You killed this boss a hundred times 
and this time he dropped the mount or the helm or whatever it is you're trying Ugh. to get. I hate you, Dennis, because um, I think you're right. <laughs> Damn it. I'm trying to think. Of, I, I mean, I'm exactly bringing back feelings of spending forever doing daily quests to get my amazing black and purple mount that was flying mount that was amazing. And it took me two months and every day doing the thing I didn't want to be doing. And then, but man, I just love showing it off. Like you said, it's, it's that I think now that you say it, it's the exact same comparison thing to like painting the sunroom and it's done. And you're like, look at this, look at this. It's awesome. And it's, it's not exclusive to MMOs either. Um, the, the daily quest model has been embraced wholeheartedly by the mobile game genre. Ugh, yes. Right. The idea of like, Ugh. okay, well my, my energy bar is full. I better at least use some of it so that it can be recharging. Like if it's full, I'm wasting research, recharge time. I think you're talking, you're bringing about bad emotional feelings in me right now. And I'm <laughs> triggered. I'm, yes. And I'm struggling heart, heart, with not heart, heart logging trigger. up stuff right now. And I, God, I mean, it's kind of like talking to people about their addiction. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay, so you you started out asking me about Japanese MMOs. Yeah, sorry. I I have played Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't know if this will be less of a trigger than the last five minutes, <laughs> but um, we'll see. Uh, our friend Chance told me about it. He's been playing it. He, Yo, Chance. He played, I got him into WoW for a little while, a couple times, but he played in Wrath and then quit, I think, during Cataclysm, which was the expansion after Wrath of the Lich King, and has has resisted the, the, the siren song turning to WoW. But <laughs> he played, um, what's the superhero one? Um, DCUO. Oh, yeah, uh, there's several of them, D- but yeah. DC Universe Online. Yeah. I played that one for a while, too. Yeah. Uh, console and PC. Um, I mean, I could talk forever about that one, but go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I, did, I didn't play it super long. He stayed in much longer than I did. Um, but he's more recently been playing uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, And I, with the exception of... What was the Final Fantasy that was on the 360 and the PS3 that was, it was like turn-based combat, the pro, the characters were lightning and cloud. That's... And a, and a big black dude and a little that's twin tails. Final Fantasy 7, right? 7? I wanted to say like... Eight or nine. No, Cloud is definitely. Oh wait, it's that might be ten. That's no, no, that's seven. It's definitely seven. Um, it was like it was turn-based combat, and the how do I want to describe it? It wasn't open world. It was like you went forward through a, through a not really a tunnel, but like a like a fixed path. Okay. Um, and the characters split up. Like, I think you were the, the little girl and the black guy for a while and you for a while. And there was a lot of story stuff that I'm sure referenced back to the previous 12 games that I just didn't get. <laughs> um, it was fun for a while, but I eventually got bored with it and sent it back. I was on Gamefly at the time. Um, <laughs> that's you. That, that was... 
Final Fantasy Seven with I was just checking that out with with Cloud. I don't want to get that wrong because because seven and ten are like some of the the pinnacles. I think people would shoot us if we said the the wrong mm. things. What what time did that? What year did that? Oh God, for out? like ever ago. I let me think here. Uh, Two thousand, if if that, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's that's a while back. It is seven was um, the one where everybody got reinvigorated for um, uh, Final Fantasy all over again. But I, as I mentioned before, I think it started to go downhill. It had, a, it had an emotional arc, the thing with Eris. Um, okay, I'm pretty sure. Looking it up now, it was thirteen. Thirteen. Two thousand nine. Thirteen had cloud in it. It might might not have been cloud. It's lightning for sure. Oh. Okay. And I don't know any of the other names. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get mail. Thirteen, right? Thirteen. I'm un- unlike you. I'm not. I was never. Well, like I said, this is the only other one that I played. Right. Um. Yeah. We 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 should talk Final Fantasy someday. I think that's that's a good topic. It's it's thirteen, not to be confused with thirteen two. <laughs> right, right. Awesome. Nothing like Roman numerals with a hyphen a and a <laughs> at and the a end two. of it. Oh my god! Hey, hey. Speaking of thinking back at things, um, let's let's kind of segue a little bit here into something I was wanting to talk about this week. Is we have love for things like Final Fantasy and, and nostalgia. We've talked about nostalgia ad nauseum, I think, in the past couple episodes. But um, coming up soon is the new Stranger Things coming in October. And uh, that's a that's a show, I don't want to say it's based around nostalgia, but it, it rode the wave of nostalgia, in my opinion. Um, I watched it and I thought about Stand By Me, and I thought about a lot of shows. I mean, there was a few other, another movie like that called Super 8 that brought that same feeling back to me. Um, last week with Fox, we talked a little bit about maybe Ready Player One. Uh, I'm assuming you, you've watched Stranger Things, right? Yeah. So it's been a, it's been almost a year now since that, that show's come out, or maybe it's been a year. Uh, what was your opinion on it, and why did you like that show? I mean... It's not like crazy, amazing difference between a lot of other shows, a lot of, a lot of story arcs. What was it that did it for you that made it good? Hmm. It's hard to say. Like the aesthetic of it, which really is like wholeheartedly embracing the nostalgia. Um, I mean, there's an element of that that is not even nostalgia is not even not even always the right word like it is in the case of stranger things but i've watched the first two seasons of fargo and those are uh season one is set in like 06 2006 and season two is set in the late 70s like 78 79 um and so you actually get the there's like one or two of the same characters much younger and then one of the main characters is just like a five year old. Okay. Uh she's an adult in season one and a five year old in season Got two, it. right? If that oh, okay. Um and so that's not so much that's not not so much nostalgia as it is like 
some people call it period piece as in time period yeah, or but that's or costume drama yeah. as in the the clothes the the wardrobe is so foreign to contemporary setting that it's that they're that they're almost costumes but most of those are set you know at least a hundred years ago in like a dickens or or jane austen type of setting and so you get a little bit of that like it's you could almost draw the parallel draw a parallel with between that and anime in that even if the story is a little bit disinteresting or draggy you can still be engaged a little bit just in the world building. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a little bit of that in Mad Men, especially in the first season, as they're just playing off the shock value of how different life was in 1960. Yeah. And I'm and I'm making that statement with a little bit of disdain because it it feels a little cute. <laughs> right. In the first season, I think I think um, no nostalgia speaking to in in specifically to this show isn't necessarily to that period piece costume thing i don't i don't i mean it definitely has no for sure and 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 that's and i think that's where i was eventually (laughs) gonna get with that in in my in my rabbit trail (laughs) digression we're we're at the time now where obviously people who lived that time and experienced that culture in their childhood and in their maybe even coming of age time um now is is possible in a lot of cases have kids that are old enough to watch a show as quote unquote scary as Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, sure. Um, and and there are definitely some of those thriller horror elements to that story. So I would say that it it does not it doesn't ride fully on that nostalgia feel. You know, it's not uh, it's not Wonder Years. Uh. I don't know. I mean, I think wonder that's a good parallel wonder years there. I, my nostalgia with that word, every time I think of, and I do put it squarely when I say the word nostalgia with um, super eight and stand by me and Goonies, uh, the, the nostalgia not doesn't come from when it's, it sets place. It's kind of the storytelling and maybe the way the story is told for that story, it just feels like, you know, it's an adventure and, and these are kids going on an adventure with a lot of imagination. It's almost like when I was a kid and I, maybe it's because the internet wasn't there or the video games weren't so graphic or, or or so not graphic, but uh, graphical. Uh, movies weren't so amazing. I mean, now when you go watch back and watch some movies and you see like, oh my God, that's really, really horrible, uh, you know, graphics. I was actually watching a, a, the original Star Trek series just recently. And and I just allowed myself to remember that seeing that monster in that cage was like, oh my gosh, that's like what a monster could be on another alien planet. Uh, it, but it was hokey. And looking at it now, it's like a, it's like a, um, it's like a guy in a suit, but the nostalgic part of it is that, um, that when we didn't have those kind of things, our imagination ran wild and our imagination was like friends hanging out, doing those kind of things. And then you would go ride your bikes down to the corner and you'd have an adventure in the woods. Um, and 
you know, you'd hear a sound and you would you would wonder, oh, my God, is that a Demogorgon? You know, and that's what these movies really, really that's the nostalgic feeling for it. It's not necessarily that it's like a period piece, but that you just there was a time when you, you know, in history uh, in the 60s to maybe 90s where kids went out and played, heaven forbid. And they went out on their own and they traveled around and they played with each other and there was communities of kids and they used their imaginations at that time to have these fantastical things. And these movies like Stranger Things uh, just were great because they made those things real. Goonies made it real. They went and there was a real pirate. Oh my God, what if I was out playing pirates with my friends? We found a treasure map and we're just pretending it's a treasure map and then it ends up being a treasure map. That's that's an adventure. And Stranger Things, that's the nostalgia. Not necessarily that it's movies set in the 80s, because Glow does that. But it's a right. different kind of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I agree with that completely. Um, like I said, that's a lot of that's a lot of media that I wasn't necessarily exposed to, but I can see for sure. I mean, a lot of it I went back and tried to see. There are a lot of quote unquote kids movies that don't necessarily hold up right yeah to adult viewing if you don't have if you don't have any nostalgia to uh to prop them up yeah um, hey you know what I, w- I wonder but there are plenty there are plenty that are that are still good a lot of those um uh quote unquote sports movies like um, like like uh let's see little giants oh yeah okay i'm talking about okay like the Mighty Ducks, um, the Mighty Mighty Ducks movies, got it, got it. Uh, Angels in the Outfield. Hey, don't um, knock Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> no, it's, it's a classic. I watched I watched that a lot <laughs> as a kid. It's just a good feeling that that it gives you. I think, and and I got to say that it can't be just that. That's 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 where my my question, line of questioning was going is that. Um, Stranger of, Things was a national phenomenon, and it can't be just a very subset between 35 and 45 year olds who who get this. It's because it's clearly kids kids are getting it now. You know, 20 year olds are watching it and saying, "Oh, Stranger Things." So it's got to be more than that nostalgic feeling that I'm that makes that good. I just don't necessarily can't put my finger on it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like. Um... In some in some ways, it's it's like those movies you reference, like Goonies and and Sandlot, a bunch of those. It's like an '80s kids movie, but but made now with with modern, uh, you know, special effects and, yeah. and storytelling techniques. But something something that I feel like was really common in my childhood is that so many. So many uh, films made for children were very disrespectful of adults, particularly <laughs> parents. Okay, that makes right? sense. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why that's a thing that I was sensitive to, <laughs> like from college onward. But it is, and right. and Stranger Things is not that at all. Um, I mean, it incorporates parents. What, Winona Ryder's character is frustrating, but she's frustrating in a way that she is she she feels completely genuine and accurate. I, I agree. Do exactly how 
a mother would behave in that situation. Uh, I agree. And and it does reek of the eighties there. It's like those of us who were alive back then realized that that small town, it wasn't the internet. You couldn't go there and just publish things like that. She would, she was going mad in her own way. And that's exactly how it would have happened. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And like a character caricature, which you're mentioning of some parents being portrayed as is like, Oh, I just don't pay attention to you anymore. You know? Right. Uh, it's like right. the the workaholic dad or whatever. These like tropes. Right. But in you're right. In Stranger Things, that wasn't the case. Actually, the adults were fully formed characters. The sheriff was definitely a fully formed character. The mother was. You know what? I'm thinking back that I kind of want to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again. I'm setting myself <laughs> for that. I, I may even watch it with my 11 year old. I, 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 I'm trying to decide. I might have to watch it and get a remember if it's too scary or if she's old enough. But um I I don't feel as it was too long. We talked earlier on in this episode about how things are just too long with when we talked to the defenders and the story just got kind of drug out and they had a one note pony on things. But I, man, Stranger Things, I I remember at the end thinking, I love that show every minute of it. And I think that's one where I was like, next episode, next episode, next episode. Oh, we want to watch the next episode. And never one minute felt like it was dragging. I'm hoping that they can maintain that for season two. Yeah, it's a lot of times you can't because um do you recall yeah. do you recall what the time format was? I don't. Was I, that I an hour? I, I want to look back at it, but whatever it is, that's where it is. That's a good and I can't remember how many episodes it was, but um that's the sweet spot for these binging things. I really I'm really kind of to bring it all back full circle here. Um you just have the story that tells the story and hits the beats without having to have those middle episodes of filler things to just satisfy a number. That's the way it should be. And I think that's okay. Um, HBO does some of that where they don't necessarily, you know, kowtow to a, a season number. They, whatever, it, however many episodes it needs to be. That's how it How, needs however to be. much time you need to tell the story you're trying to tell. Yes. That's it. And, and, you know, they can do that. Like, it's funny that with the the Marvel things, like they hire them for or they pay for 13 episodes, 20 episodes, whatever it is. They they pay for those 20 episodes. Why would they do that? Why don't they just I mean, they don't, they don't obviously they don't. Every station doesn't do that. There's no need for that in a binging world. They need to say seasons of car season of or house of cards needs to tell X story this season. And it's going to take six episodes. Uh, Game of Thrones is going to take, which they dropped the ball in my opinion this time. They it this season needs to take ten episodes, you know. And instead of saying, "Hey, um, we want you for six, we want you for twelve, we want," and then fill that, you know, that's that's a mistake. I don't know why Netflix does stuff like that. They don't need to. I'm sure it depends on whatever deal they have to strike with various producers or content. Uh, copyright holders and all of those things. I'm sure it's very complicated. I'm sure it is, but it, it, ultimately in the end of the day, it, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the viewer or the listener or the watcher or whatever it is that, that suffers because that they have to stretch it out to that. Anyway, I don't think stranger things did that. I thought that every beat was great and wonderful and, uh, it made me want to watch more and I'm excited for season two as, as if everybody is, but, um, cautiously optimistic because hopefully they can mm -hmm. continue with the beat, not just like, okay, now we got to tell, we only want to tell a little bit more, like one or two things and then stretch it out for 12 episodes. Um, but we'll see. I don't want to prejudge. 
Um, hopefully that'll be good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it for this week's episode, Dennis. Uh, what are you thinking about next week? Um, I'm not sure. As, uh, as I was talking to you before we started the show, I'm traveling this upcoming weekend. Oh, yeah. Exciting. Where are you going? You're going out west, right? Yeah, out west. I've got some family in northern Idaho. Uh, cool, I'm go cool. stay with them for a couple weeks. Hey, but you're not so, going just to flight, right? Uh, no, I'm for the first time taking a long distance Amtrak Woo! train. Are you going to wear a cowboy hat? Uh, no. Like Westworld? <laughs> going to go out to Westworld? Oh, man. No, no, is no, is no, that really no, where no, you're going? Music. Tell them, come on, you can be the truth. You're going to be a black hat or a white hat. I know music in my head. <laughs> I'll, I'll start out a white hat, but then... <laughs> No, wait, I can't. I don't want to spoil that. <laughs> if anybody has somehow not seen that show yet. Right. Yeah. It'd be a white hat. That's what uh, it is. That, well, that, show was that sounds that it was intense. Uh, that uh, that sounds like fun. That's going to be an awesome time. So we will uh, hopefully get squeeze in an episode. But if not, then we'll be back in two weeks. In that time, we can talk about stuff. I'll tell you what I'd like to talk about, uh, listeners and Dennis. I've got a stacks of games around here. We've spent a little bit of time our first episode, but talk about board games. Um, but there's several ones I'd like to talk about. And hopefully next week we can talk about legacy games, kind of like Risk Legacy or... Um, uh, oh, Legacy. Yeah, that's right. Legacy yeah. games. The the games that are persistent, that have persistent games for things. I'd love to talk about those. Um, for those listeners who haven't heard of Legacy games, kind of do a Google search before you... Listen, listen to the next episode because those are cool. They're awesome and they're amazing, um, and I'd love to get into legacy it. or or a good word I I like to use is campaign. Campaign, yeah. There you go. There you, you go. You you said in your in your message that you, legacy games, and I was thinking like like old games. <laughs> well, we can like, talk about. You, you want to talk about Monopoly? Hey, and how hey, terrible we it is? we can talk about old games. Uh, so we'll do that too. Let's let's next week let's talk about some some legacy board games. We love our our board games. And we get away from movies and TVs that we've been on, uh, and bring up some um, uh, legacy video games too. How's that? So uh, recently, Galloping Ghost has been in the news, and uh, I've been there, uh, one of the world's largest arcades, and been able to play a lot of those games. And I'd love to kind of go over your history with some old games in the arcade. How's that sound? Okay. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to us here at the front porch and we will see you next time. And let's all hope that Dennis doesn't get lost on the finding his true love out in the West world. See you, Dennis. (laughs) Have a good night, everybody.